What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. This is episode 141. My guest today is Lee Martin. Lee's a little different than the guests we've had on in the past because of what he does for a living. Lee is a elite RC race car driver. He is a former European and UK champion. He has accolades as long as my arm. He's been in the game for over 20 years. And I became fascinated with RC racing after stumbling across him on YouTube not that long ago. Um, and since have gone down many rabbit holes and spent an enormous amount of time just fascinated with the engineering and all the elements that go with RC racing. I spoke to Lee about how he got into the sport, what the sport's future looks like, who the Michael Jordan of the sport is, the engineering around the cars, and uh, and just different things that I was interested in finding out about. And it was a really great conversation. Lee's a, Lee's a really good guy, super knowledgeable, and, um, and we had a good time talking. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope it maybe you know, pricks your fascination and maybe you go check this stuff out because it is not the type of car that you would buy from Argos um, and race around your backyard. These are proper pieces of machinery and Lee is one of the best uh, that's ever done it. So it was a real pleasure and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, please welcome Lee Martin. Yes, I'm doing okay, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, very well. You're outside today, enjoying the uh, last bit of sunshine before we get locked down again? Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a day before lockdown, so I thought I'd get my vitamin D in and get outside while I could. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, it's really good to connect with you, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really kind of playfully excited about talking to you because um, I stumbled on RC Racing uh, by happen chance, it came up in my YouTube feed uh, randomly, and I and I just put it on and was not expecting to see what I saw when I actually watched the race take place. So, um, can we start out because I'll do an intro for you? But can we start out with you just introducing yourself and uh, and telling people what you do? So yeah, my name is Lee Martin. Uh, I'm a professional remote controlled car racer. Believe it or not. And um, yeah, I travel the world uh, racing remote control cars, basically to promote the manufacturers and uh, my sponsors. And uh, yeah, that's that's my job. And how did you get started in RC racing? Was this sort of like an evolution from like a Christmas gift that you fell in love with and then just started exploring it and it kind of went yeah. on from there? How did, how did this all start? Again, it was, it was basically by chance. So when I was at um, secondary school, I used to play a lot of sports, so I had to stay after school to play these sports. And it just so happened that one of the nights, as I finished, this small RC club would start up in, in one of the halls. So when I was waiting for my parents to pick me up, I would look through the window and I would see these RC cars going around. And I was like, wow, that looks fun. And then uh, got dad to come in one night and had a chat with a few people. And then a few weeks later, it was my birthday, which is in the Christmas Eve, actually. And um, yeah, managed to get, he bought some secondhand cars. We went to the club, uh, quickly realized that what we'd bought probably wasn't good enough, went to the local hobby shop, and then that was it. And here I am 20, 23 years later. So you're, you're, you're two decades in the RC racing game. 
yeah two decades and to be honest a lot of the people in it are i've been doing it longer than i have as well um really it seems to be a sport that either people go in and they stick to because this it's not ageist it's you can do it with any ability sex you know anything it, it's, it doesn't um it doesn't discriminate against anyone so uh it's really good that people stay in the sport sometimes they leave like some people used to start when they were young when they started work or, or found girlfriends or whatever they would disappear for a while but then they seem to always come back when their life had settled back down maybe they had a bit more money to spend oh what was that thing i used to do and then, then you, you see them coming back so it's it's a great little hobby and it's, it's great for families it's great for everyone really and where are you right now what, what location are you where, where are you finding yourself today so today i'm in a uh in a town in the midlands called kidderminster um they have an rc track here i think this track where i am is actually older than me um so it's been around since the early 80s for sure um and yeah that's where i find myself today i, I live in newbury so okay. it's a good hour and a half drive so okay um, but yeah today i'm here and the location you're at now in kidderminster that is a specific rc race car track yes yeah this is a permanent track um it's been here years as i say years and years and years there's a lot of them all around the country i was we gonna ask is, mostly... there, is there a ton of locations yeah, there is absolute ton. Um, say mostly we have permanent tracks, but during the winter time before COVID, uh, we had a lot of indoor tracks that would open in sports halls and run for like a day or an evening. Right. Um, but yeah, during the summer we're always outdoors, uh, permanent tracks or even sometimes you know temporary tracks. But we'll race where we can, really. It's a, it's it's so incredible to me because, like I said, I, I just stumbled across it uh, maybe a month ago, and the amount of hours I've spent watching the different races and now i'm starting to think now i'm starting to get into what kind of rc cars i like to watch race ones i can't really you know i, I don't really prefer that sort of thing and and it's just incredible the the depth of uh, of content there is for rc racing and it just shocks me because when i watch these cars race they're not the go to argos pick up put some battery they, these are proper pieces of machinery and i just i yeah. started thinking to myself when i saw one of your races i believe it was it, it, there was a long straightaway and and just the acceleration and the power in the vehicles i just started extrapolating i said what would this be like if a full-size car performed like these little cars do that would probably tear a human being apart with the inertia and with the g-force and with the acceleration and the torque and everything like that can you just because i've seen a couple of your youtube videos where you break down the cars and like old cars that you used to use and you go into a lot of depth and i've seen on your facebook you'll post uh pictures of what your spec is for these specific yeah. races can you just speak on the level of engineering and kind of what goes into making one of these cars ready for the type of racing that you do sure i mean as you say we have multiple multiple different classes but what i do is off-road racing and i do it with um one temp scale so one temp of a real size car electric and then one ape scale nitro cars which are pretty fun to watch and drive um but yeah the the amount of stuff i mean a lot of r d goes into it part of my job is r d um you know especially as times are changing with real cars you know we did it years ago where brushless motors and stuff came in and everything was electric and and stuff started getting faster and easier to use um and then you have to adapt so the car has to change and you know with all the different speeds that you now get um 
but yeah, you can change so much on them. They're, you can actually change more on these than you can in real race cars. Uh, really? So yeah, you can get quite in depth. I mean, we have a lot of motorsport guys, a lot of F1 guys that are, you know, designers or engineers or whatever for F1 teams come to race RC to get their fix of racing that really? doesn't cost you ten thousand pound a weekend or whatever <laughs> so yeah so it's, it's very in-depth and it also doesn't really relate uh to real cars so much because as you mentioned of our scale speed i mean some of the scale speeds we hit will be like an average lap for a real car of like 400 mile an hour yeah so, that's what i was thinking yeah and it's it just doesn't really relate sometimes and it's hard to get your head around and plus remember we're not sat in the car and we can't feel it do funny things we have to watch it and we always say that we're in it and we can feel it, but you know, in reality, it's just our brain telling us what it's doing from our sight. So, and there's got to be an of element to of check. touch and feel with the with the controllers because, you know, I've seen at those speeds and 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 kind of you know the 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 acceleration and all all of the other things that go into it. I would imagine the precision that's required in the controls has got to be immense. So there's really got to be like a mind body connection with, you know, putting all of that together to be successful, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, it is your brain telling your hands what to do. That's great because, you know, we don't need to be athletic or whatever to do it, um, or able or, you know, so, uh, it's awesome in that sense, but yeah, you do have to get your head around it. Your fingers and hands have to do what your brain's telling them to do. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in everyday life things, we struggle with that. So, um, yeah, and it, you do have to have an element of natural talent to be really good, but anyone can do it. So that's a great thing. And, um, Luckily, I have a bit of natural talent, obviously, for it. Uh, so if you put the effort in, you're going to get somewhere with it. Yeah, I've seen the resume. It's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of kind of the natural talent kind of, you know, it's, it's like anything, right? Um, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But if you've got both, then you can become a champion and kind of elite in the sport. Yep. Who is your Michael Jordan because I, I I used to play basketball in university so I always equate different sports to that kind of uh you know that yep. kind of I love analogy. basketball too huh I love basketball I used to play when I was young oh nice nice yeah so so who's the MJ of your sport uh is there one it's hard, it's hard because it depends what you look at as MJ MJ to me he was massively naturally talented but he also worked hard at it so you kind of got the best of both there, I think. For sure. Um, we have, I mean, in turn, I think I've got a good amount of talent, but also a high amount of effort. Um, whereas if I didn't rely on the effort I put in, maybe I wouldn't have been as successful as I was. Sure. Um, I don't think I had masses of natural talent to, to go as far as I did without the amount of effort that was needed. Um, I have a very close competitor who's a UK driver. He's a, um, a professional also, but he also has a normal job as such. Um, but he is very, very, very good. He does have a ton of natural talent. Maybe doesn't put quite the effort in the rest of us do, but he still manages to to beat us or whatever or compete. Right. Um, and yeah, he, he's. I mean, he's probably the best driver we've had out of this country. Um, so for me to be able to compete with him, you know, I had to have some amount of talent and effort. <laughs> and who is that? What's his name? His name's Neil Craig. Oh yeah, okay. I've heard. I've heard of Neil. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. He's from up north, and you know we're we're good friends, and we have a massive rivalry. But it's one of them nice ones where, if he wins, I'm happy for him. If I win, he's happy for me. And we've never really been 
aggressive or arrogant to each other. It's always been a massive amount of respect between us two, which doesn't happen every time. I was going to ask, is there a lot of like kind of, I don't want to say toxic, but like, you know, that, that kind of rivalry is, is there a lot of sort of, you know, personalities in the sport that, you know, take losses personal or are known to be a bit like of a dirty driver or, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, we get, we get all of that. It's uh, it's probably worse than, than other things because again, I'll relate it to motorsport because it, it is. Yeah. If you're in a real car, by the time someone hit you, you've probably got a good 20 minutes before you see him again, yeah. most likely. So you've got a lot of time to kind of calm down. Whereas we're, well, you can see behind me, this is where we stand to race. Yes. We're all stood in a normal year. We're all stood next to each other. And, you know, if someone hits you, you can shout at them there. And then in, in ape scale, we have to have a pit man. So underneath us, you have a pit man because you have to refuel and, you know, all stuff like that. So they normally have a fight down there. <laughs> so the guys up there, are, you know, it, it, it can get heated, very heated. It's and super competitive. It's super competitive. It is. And if you get taken out, you, you do go to the back and it's very hard to get back up. Um, a lot of the time, European guys, Italians are very highly strung, stuff like that. They drive. I'm not going to tarnish them all with this, this bad brush, but some of them drive quite dirty and they do take you out quite a lot. And it can get very frustrating. I'm kind of chilled out, so it's not yeah. too bad for me. But um, yeah, there's a lot of high strung personalities out there that, that, that take it out on the track or the people around them. <laughs> so when I say Michael Jordan and when I refer to the Michael Jordan of a sport, I always think of the greatest of all time, whether yes, okay. past, present, you know, that sort of thing. So I guess yep. from what you're saying there about Neil Craig, he would kind of be the UK LeBron James sort of thing. Like, you know, with, with like the next generation of and where and who can kind of lead the sport if they put the effort in, you know, required that to match their talent. But is there a guy, whether I guess a historical figure, somebody who doesn't race anymore, that's considered like the top shelf guy, somebody who has all of the accolades that people aim to kind of achieve and surpass yeah got it so um there's a japanese guy called masami hirasaki um hirasaki? okay yeah hirasaka yeah and um i don't know i know him quite well i don't know why i was struggling with his surname there but <laughs> yes he's um i mean he's 14 time world champion i think wow so if, if you put sometimes we have more than one event in a year so you can do it like more than once in a year but even to get to that number is pretty crazy i mean i never won one um, Neil, who I'm talking about, he won one. I finished second. Um, but Masami won 14. So, you know, Jeez. you could say that he's probably the Michael Jordan. But at the same time, you know, you could one week he could win a world championship, the next week you could beat him. So right. it's, it's. And it, I suppose that's the variance in the sport, right? There's so many factors. It's yeah. not just, you know, on the court, put the ball in the, you know, put the ball in the rim, do it again, do it again, do it again. It's, there's so many extenuating factors that can determine a win or a loss. Exactly. And back in the day, and I don't want to discredit him at all because he was amazing. Mm. But back in the day before the technology kind of went on, there was a real disadvantage or big advantage for people that could get what they call them factory parts. So parts that come out of the factory, they're a higher spec than anyone else can get. Okay. And um, back in the day, it was batteries, which were hard work because we never used to be able to finish a five minute race um, before the battery went flat. You know, really? kind of like we've seen with real real cars now, they can do 200 miles, but some can only do 150. So, um, yeah, you used to struggle to get runtime, and to make runtime, you have to sacrifice speed. So, if you could get gotcha. these 
high performance batteries and someone else couldn't, you could have the speed and the, you could make it to the end. So it's a little different now because everyone can do it. You know, all technologies moved so far on. Um, yeah. But yeah, back, back in the day, you did have a big, big advantage, but there was probably five people around him that had that same advantage. So there you go. So, so the accolades still count. Yes. hundred percent. That's cool. So I'm interested in the commercials around the sport and like the, the size of the sport and you know, how many people out there are, are earning a living? Like, uh, like I, that's one part of this. I don't understand. I, I couldn't really find too much information on was like, you said up front that you represent the manufacturers. So yes. they're they're a sponsor. They sponsor you. Is that right? And is there yes. sort of prize money for winning the races? And how how does the economy of RC racing work? Yeah. So we don't have any prize money, or, or some 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 races we do, but it's not a normal thing because okay. um, it's considered a a hobby. So you know we try and keep the prize money out of it because then it you know it doesn't become a hobby really anymore. Sure. Um, so a lot of the professional drivers, they're promotional tools. I mean, the, the thing with our industry is if I had this hat, for example, I would wear it and maybe you could buy the hat and you want to buy the same hat. That's right. kind of what we do. Whereas, you know, if you look at real motorsport like F1 or something, you can't go out and buy the same car Lewis Hamilton's racing, right. you know, unless you're a billionaire yeah. and they want to give you one out the back door. But you can go, so we go out with our product, we showcase it, win with it hopefully and also offer the support of the product you know helping people out with theirs because they can go to the shop and buy the exact same thing so yeah we so i we could buy i could buy the car you race with yeah 100 percent. you could go to to my website and you could buy the same car that i have um, right now same everything would be exactly the same wow that's really cool and so so the sponsors pay you for repping their vehicles and their equipment and their parts and that sort of thing. That's, that's how the sort of economy of it works and how someone can become a professional driver and sustain themselves as a professional driver. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, you always start at the bottom. So uh, the curve that we go on kind of explains it, you know, initially we're paying for stuff like a normal customer. Mm -hmm. If you're quite good, then you get a discount maybe because someone wants to help you out. Uh, they want you to use their products. They'll give you a bit of discount. So it's an incentive. Gotcha. Then we move on from that. If you get even better, you'll get your stuff for free because again, and they have a, a bigger incentive to keep you using that product because other people are buying it off the back of what you're doing. Of course. If you carry on getting even better than that, maybe they'll pay for you to go places. So you get expenses. So uh, we want you to go to this race in Italy you know, we'll give you X amount of money or we'll cover all your expenses if you go there and, and use our products and do well. And then if you get to the elite, then someone might offer you a little bit of money to do the same thing. So that's that's kind of how it goes. Okay. And if you can get to the top, yeah, maybe they'll offer you some money. And then, you know, from that, um, you just got to try and try and keep on top of it and make enough money. So you've got to be consistent, you right? You've got to win consistently. Exactly. you got to stay at the top for as long as you can. And hopefully no youngster comes and knocks you off. So how many how many people approximately would you say are on that elite level right now? So because you've got to know 20 everybody. in the world, you got to know everybody in the sport, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we do have different classes. So, like I said earlier, I race off road. Yeah, um, you could have maybe twenty guys in off road, but you could also have maybe twenty guys in on road racing because they're completely separate separate categories. So, um, so maybe forty people in the world are doing it to an elite level. 
Um, so yeah, it, you know, it's niche, but the, the industry is also, as you mentioned, a lot, lot bigger than what you think it is. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, so you mentioned sort of the high-strung Italian drivers and how they can get quite testy and how there's rivalry there and how some people are, you know, handle that differently than others. From a rules perspective, when I'm watching it, if there's a crash or if somebody drives over somebody and they flip over or what have you, then one of the stewards or the, I guess, you know, one of the linesmen or whoever's kind of sitting around there, all they seem to do is just go grab the car, flip it back over and off you go. Is there penalties and things like that that come along with it? Or is it just too bad, so sad? Well, there's both. So the people turning it back over, they're called marshals. Marshals, So what we do, there you go. So what we do is we race, and then after we finish racing, we go and marshal. So the the, the 10 or 15 guys around the track marshalling are the ones that just raced. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's always a rotation. Uh, you race, you marshal, you race, you marshal. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Go centers. Yeah. So... Um, so yeah, that's what they're doing. Their job is purely to put a car back on its wheels should it be crashed or crash. Um, and then a lot of a lot of the bigger races, we have referees. Um, so we'll have a guy stood up there that can referee the race. But you know, it's hard if there's 14 cars going around the track and you've got one or two referees. You can't watch everything. So you can get away with a bit, like, but not many people you try to. But if you hit someone by mistake and they didn't see you, you it's up to you to judge if you wait and give yourself a penalty or not um some people don't <laughs> some yeah. people just drive off um and any uh, smaller races we don't have referees so it's all it's all judged you know like your own critic right? and your own judge you're self-governed exactly so uh if you take someone out you know, you wait and then if you don't it, the big guy's probably shouting at you like we said earlier so, <laughs> <laughs> so like what's the um what's the What's the Grand Prix? What's the big, what's the big race that everybody's trying to win? Is there one? Because I saw on what is it? Uh, is it Red RC YouTube channel? Uh, there was yep. the Ready Ready Invitationals, I believe it was, and the Ready Race. Ready yeah, race. and I, and I, and I watched. Yeah. There was like sixteen rounds of that, and I was like, you know, again, kind of like got lost in just watching the racing rather than kind of understanding the particulars about how it how it works and all that but is that sort of the pinnacle it's it's a pretty big race i mean that's in california oh is it um, okay it's yeah yeah it's at huntington beach uh it's a pretty good race um for me it's not the pinnacle so basically how that race started out there's a guy called mike reedy who used to make electronics for the cars um and for his birthday every year, he decided that he wanted to put on a race, but he didn't want it to be like a normal race because normally we have qualifying mm -hmm. and then at the end of the day, we'll have a race or at the end of the weekend, we'll have a race to, to do the winner. So he did it a little different where every time you went on a track, you were in a race. So it was like mixed up heats and stuff and then you right. raced everyone and the winner was the guy that won the most races or whatever. So it's a hard race to win because uh, you have to be good over a long period of races you know you have to try and win or every one so it's a hard race to win for me it's not one i've always aspired to win i'd love to win it but um you have to for, for me you have to look at world championships um to really be at the top uh, for obvious reasons you're, you're king of the world after that aren't you so of course yeah and and so the world championship is 
is run where and decided by who? How is there like a there's a British RC or there's a like a, a global RC like commission that do all of that? Yeah, so we have a, a global association. It's called IFMA. Okay. Um, which stands for something. I probably won't remember. I'll get it wrong. <laughs> so IFMA is our, our governing body for the world. And then we have sections. So in Europe, we have one called EFRA. Uh, in North America, it's called uh, RAW. Okay. And then you've got South America, you know, Asia and stuff like that. There's five blocks. Um, gotcha. And to qualify, you go through uh, those blocks or your country, and then you qualify for the world championship, which are every two years. Oh, okay. So you so you start domestically and kind of and qualify yeah. out into into the overalls. Yeah, exactly. And then the the world championship also moves blocks each two years. So this year it could be in Europe. In two years' time, it's in America. Two years' time, it's in Asia, and and so on. So. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's that kind of I guess that kind of leads me into the in, into my next question is like obviously this year has been a nightmare for everybody your game and your sport is both indoor and outdoor has yeah. covid disrupted it the way it's disrupted many other industries yeah, yeah so this year for us has been a complete non-starter really um okay. since since march i have i mean i haven't been on an airplane since january which for me is completely unheard of um right not traveled outside of the country since february and yeah i'm normally away like twice a month at least so yeah the whole industry is kind of shut down for this year um and hoping that we can get back on track next year but who knows who knows what's going to happen we're going to have to do some stuff because you know the business behind behind the uh, the events in the industry is, is going to suffer really bad if we can't go out and go racing again and i and i and i would have thought that it perhaps would have been less affected because it's what 10 racers per you know, uh, I assume you've probably got a couple of people in your team, maybe. Uh, I don't know kind of the size of, like, the crew you might travel with or if it's just you and your car. But I would have thought something like that. And even looking at the stand behind you, that that could be adjusted for the times and the restrictions that we're facing now. Is, is, there, is there a lot of consideration going on around how you can bring this thing back despite what might be a continued sort of lockdown? Yeah, so um, we have people put stuff in place. I mean, we've got our own track. Uh, this is uh, partly my company, Nemo Racing. We have our own okay. track and all the provisions and stuff we've had to put in. You know, you do what you can, um, but it's kind of, we've had local races, but the international stuff's been nowhere near. We've had no national championships and stuff because at a race we have between, I mean, a national championship, we have 100 and, 130 drivers. Wow. Um, and then maybe they bring, you know, family with them or someone with them. So maybe at one time we'll have 250 people in, in the field outdoors. So, um, you know, it's not just 10 of us. It is 10 of us when we're racing, but, but there's everywhere a... else, you know, it's a lot more people. Of course. Um, so the national chat, everything's been cancelled, you know, because everyone's scared to, to put events on and stuff. Um, everyone was scared to go out of the house for a while, weren't they? But, mm. uh yeah, I mean, now we've got provisions in place where we can have like eight people up on the stand with social distancing and, and all that. Um, and at our track, we've uh, we've done a lot. You know, we've had the COVID police come down for race meetings and stuff like this. And you have to, the problem is people need to self-police. You can only do so much. I mean, we have like three or four guys at our track that run it. And at a meeting, we'll have 
you know, over a hundred people there and trying to get people just to put their masks on and stuff can get a bit tedious after time. Um, but we're trying to, everyone's trying to do what they can to get racing again. I mean, there was racing up until this weekend, just gone. Um, right. It's just localized, which is great. It's been great to stay at home this year a little bit, but um, you know, the big events that really make our industry awesome have not been able to happen purely because we can't really travel, especially outside the country and stuff. Right, right, right. So when this inevitably goes away and things return back to status quo, normal kind of business as usual, what does the future of RC look like? What does the growth of the sport look like? Where Where is it going next? Next, I'm not... I'm not really sure. Um, I think we need to we need to find a way as a, an industry to get it into the younger population again. Because when I was younger, I mean, you had lots and lots of juniors under the age of 16. Whereas these days, it's a little harder to get the young guys coming out because PlayStations, Xboxes, people don't have the funds maybe to, to take their children to do something. Um, and maybe sometimes a little bit lazy parenting where they don't, if you can put your kid in front of an Xbox, you know, sometimes people don't want to. The take streaming, their kid it's the and... streaming parenting generation, right? We grew up in yeah. sort of like helicopter parenting, right? Or Lord Latchkey like parenting. It was just like, I'll scream at you from the door to come home for dinner when the lights on the street come on or when it gets dark outside. But yeah, it's not like that anymore. No, it's not. And it's, I see it with my kids too. It's like they grab an iPad and stuff and you lose them for an amount of time until you can take it off them um for sure but i get them out racing when i can i was gonna ask your kids do it yeah they do it they they were doing it a lot indoors so just before all this stuff happened there was a club in slough which run every friday night i'll take them every friday night and let them race sometimes i wouldn't race i'd just look after them because when i do it you know it starts to become a little more not stressed but it's busy they're looking after two kids in their cars smashing them up and stuff so um (laughs) Yeah, they, they do it and they do like it. Um, but as as you know, it's, it's, oh, if you can have an iPad and sit at home, you know, sometimes they prefer to do that. You have to drag them outside almost. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that, I, I think that kind of needs to change. We need to, we need to get back into the youth of today and, and find out how to get them coming outdoors again. Um, I was going to try and approach some colleges and schools and stuff for our track and see if they wanted to create a, an engineering thing where they have to make cars and then them out and and use them because it's very educational too and it it makes you a more whole person because the amount i traveled and when i was young like i started at 13 which was actually quite late back then um you start to travel the world and you mix with people of all ages and i think it grows you a lot as a person and uh i wouldn't have changed it for anything you know i I used to play football and basketball like i said quite quite a lot to, to a good standard um and being able to do RC racing was my preferred choice in the end and just loved traveling places, spending time at the time with my dad, you know, the father and son bond that you get, it can be fractious and <laughs> sometimes, but <laughs> the bond that you do create, um, it's something that you'll never get from sitting in front of an iPad and, and sitting at home and, and not spending time with your kids. I couldn't agree more. And it seems like such a tactile sport as well because there's so much detail and and sort of nuance like with the engineering and it's really interesting what you brought up because um outside of podcasting and doing what i do here i work 
uh, within education, not as a teacher, but for an institution that that uh, that communicates with teachers and so on and so forth. And there's obviously over the last sort of year or two years, there's been a massive push towards getting more people, girls and just young people in general, involved in STEM. And this, I mean, this ties into this perfectly, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it should do. Um, say, you, you can, the way the world's going, especially with, you know, electric cars, and, you know, we're all going to end up like that. Yeah. They actually use the same technology we have in these little ones. So you, you could start to teach kids from such a young age to build their future and, and really, you know, get them involved in, in engineering, really, for the future. And, yeah, why, why not create an education element to it where, you know, it's not going to cost an arm and a leg to come and do it and, and kids will enjoy themselves and learn at the same time. And inspire something there that may become, you know, <clears throat> a vocation or, you know, just a hobby that helps, again, sustain the industry, you know, uh, and, and yeah. gets into that younger demographic. So based on what I guess needs to happen or what you hope will happen with the sport, what is the barrier to entry for because we're, again we're not talking about going to Argos and getting one that's got you know six double A's in it and barely moves up and down the hallway. We're talking about real machinery here. What's the what's the entry point look like for somebody who's interested in in you know going to your site or going to another site and, and looking and exploring maybe getting an RC car? What, what what does that look like? Yeah, I mean there's a lot available um, for pretty good money too. Financial barriers are the worst thing because you know spending money on something is always hard especially this year of course um so that that's the first hurdle to jump over but you can get cheaper stuff now you can you can pick stuff up for like 150 pound which will get you involved and then from where you go from there and it really depends on on how far you want to take it but you can end up spending more money but it's it's I'd, I'd spend money on my, my kids or whatever, or even for me to go out and enjoy something which is not going to hurt anyone. It's not going to hurt you or generally anyway, unless you get hit by a car too hard. But um, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's, it, it's not too much of an expense when you consider that people will go and spend five to 10 pound in Starbucks every day and, and forget that a coffee costs you a fiver. <laughs> yeah, or five or 600 on a PlayStation. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, and then you can sit at home and then, yeah. And get zero <laughs> vitamin D and get zero yeah. tactile experience in life. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's it. Unless you become a professional gamer, they're making tons of money now, honestly. <laughs> well, e-gaming's another thing altogether, isn't it? But uh, yeah. but again, I, I, I would you know I would render a guess that the number of elite e-gamers out there making any substantial money is pretty is pretty small as well, right? So yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. It's, and it's, yeah, if you treat this as a hobby, which is what it's supposed to be, and then if you get um, if you get somewhere with it and, you know, you, you maybe get paid or you get some stuff discount or some stuff for free. I mean, you're doing awesome. You know, it's, it's yeah, a hobby. Sure. Even I still see it as a hobby for me. It's like, I love it. I love the industry. I'd still do it even if it wasn't my job. So, Well, I mean, fingers crossed this COVID thing, you know, goes away sooner rather than later. Right. And you guys can get back to, uh, to, to normal. Um, so are, are we presuming now that there's, because I haven't, I really pay attention to the red RC channel and yep. there was 2020 races, uh, I think on that one, but that was from obviously pre COVID. 
is there anywhere else other than that main channel that people can go out and kind of check out racing, check out the racers and, and, and kind of, you know, do what I did, which is stumble upon something that's absolutely fascinating and maybe, you know, get that, that kind of taste for it. Yeah. I mean, there's a few news websites out there. There's um, red RC, like you said, uh, there's a U.S. company called Live RC, and okay. they're actually very good because they, the races that are you know going ahead in America, the big races, they stream them all live, and you can see all the timings, and they have video. Even it's all around Europe now too. Like our track has Live RC, and you can go and you can watch, and you can watch the timing, and there's cameras set up and stuff. Oh, nice! They do a wicked job. Yeah, that's so that's really cool. Um, and they also have like a news page where they'll do videos and stories about racing and stuff. Um, yeah, there was a couple. There was one called Circus RC, which is French, but also has a lot of uh, news. But you probably have to be a little bit further into the industry to really like, love them ones because it's it's like watching football news. If you don't like football, it's, right? You know, well, no, no point particularly. Yeah, not for the then, casual. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you don't want to look at some new will that someone's brought out. You don't care. <laughs> so. Um, but like you did, you know, YouTube is, is full of little videos. And once you find one, it leads you into all the others. Um, oh, I've then, gone yeah. down a complete rabbit hole. Uh, like, I'm now finding <laughs> myself watching, um, like, war reenactments with RC battle tanks. And I watched, <laughs> like, RC submarines the other day. And I was like, relax a little bit here now. Like, yeah. I, I found what I like. Stick with that. And for me, I like the four-wheel drive off-road electrics that yep. I've watched. That's how I kind of found you. And then the touring cars as well, because those yep. are just incredible. And never in my life would I have thought that I'd be 39 years old, sitting in my living room, pumping my fist when I see someone <laughs> overtake on the inside with a remote control car. It was it's just it's it's just hilarious to me but i absolutely love it and uh and yeah i i just i couldn't help but like reach out to you and and, and see what this thing was all about because i know you're one of the elites in this industry i know you've been around for you know quite a long time and i was always listening for the names from the announcer right that 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 announcer in and of itself is like a staple like we're going yeah, racing Scotty. on the sound of the tone. Yeah, that's right? that's the one. He's awesome. He's he's from a Wisconsin area in America, and he you know travels the world. He's a commentator, race director, basically. Right. I actually sent him a message yesterday, making sure he was all good through this uh, COVID period. But yeah, he makes stuff so exciting. He gets so into it, and he yeah he he, he really gets you fired up. I remember my, like one of the first time I heard him was 2006. We were at a European Championship, and you know, normally the, the fast guys, they'll do their run. They'll maybe watch a couple of the other fast guys races and then they'll go back to their pits. And I remember him being so excited about like the last final. It was like the L final. That's, that's how ours are graded. So the A is the best one that went all the way down. And he was getting fired up about these two racing. And like a hundred people ran to the track to watch. And we would never normally even know about it or care, but he made it so exciting. He's, he's truly awesome. Yeah, I knew I'd gone down a rabbit hole when because um, I'm a big UFC fan as well, right? And Bruce Buffer, who's the ring announcer, has a very specific way he starts uh, and announces the intros of the fights, right? And my wife 
will now hear the first bit and she'll finish it from like from the kitchen or the bedroom or wherever she is in the house and I knew I'd gone down a rabbit hole and I knew I'd put in some serious time watching these races because she started doing the <laughs> announcement too and I was like oh nice all right on I, the I sound of the tone <laughs> yeah at the sound of the tone brilliant absolutely fantastic um well listen mate it's it's been it's been fantastic to talk to you and um and if I can shed any light on this industry and kind of the excitement behind it, then, you know, I'm really happy to do so, but it was really, really good to talk to you. Um, before we go, do you want to just tell people, um, any channels, any social they can check you out on any websites, any of that sort of stuff that you might want to throw people to? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, Lee Martin RC is my uh, Facebook page. Also my Instagram page, okay. uh, Nemo racing, Nemo is, um, our business uh, where we have also a track you're welcome to come anytime we'll give you a go of a car um, that would be amazing yeah yeah come on down we can do a video about your day and, and maybe highlight it that way um, so yeah we have our own channel as well uh, on YouTube Nemo Racing TV where we try and do some videos of, of course you've watched some we mentioned it earlier yep and um, we do a live show every Monday but again you might want to be into RC before you watch it. it might not make much sense but there's a lot of innuendos in it so <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> it can be funny and we advise that if you're an adult, you pour a glass of wine and join us every Monday night. But um, yeah, apart from that, uh, yeah, go and look through YouTube. Just put RC Racing in. Uh, actually, while we're talking about RC Racing videos, there's a company called RC Racing TV, which I just completely forgot about. Okay. Which do loads of awesome stuff too. Um, they used to be on Motors TV, which was a channel in the UK. Um, so it was on Real TV. Uh, right. And yeah, they've got tons of videos, European Championships. You probably watched them. It's got RC Racing TV on the intro. Um, they've got tons of stuff. So have a look at them too. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, again, mate, really, really good to talk to you. I hope we can do it again. I'm definitely going to, whenever COVID allows, I'm definitely going to take you up on that offer. I'll probably be horrendous, but I would love to give it a crack. And um, and, and we'll definitely connect on that, uh, you know, when we don't have to lock ourselves indoors. But yeah, 100%. And who cares if you crap? You know, that's where everyone starts. And then you're only going to get better from there as long as you enjoy yourself. It's all that matters. They're pretty strong. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, mate. Again, pleasure. Thanks for uh, thanks for sitting down and talking with us. And, uh, and 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 let's do it again because when I do come down and see you, that would be a great opportunity to follow this up and uh, and get some real footage and and put that out there as well. So um, so yeah, let's connect again soon. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks, mate.